Hi. Um, talking to Bart Jeff, Jeff Cohen. Uh, he owns Bart Jeff's Barbecue in Prague, which is uh, one of the most popular restaurants in Prague. Um, Jeff has a, I don't know, almost 40 years of experience in, in uh, oh, 40, yeah, 40 years of experience in gastro. Um, worked in over 100 restaurants, participating in opening 16 restaurants around the world. And um, he has cooked for Mick Jagger, Bill Clinton, Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, and a lot of other famous people. Um, he told me his story, how he got from Florida, where he grew up, to eventually to Prague through a lot of random decisions. Um, told me how his mom taught him everything about drugs that there was to know. After she found out that he was stealing her wheat and getting stoned, 11 years old. Quite a story that the guy has, and he has a very simple view on how he wants his restaurant to run. Um, so we talked about all this and uh, how the COVID thing has, uh, I don't know, affected the business and, and uh, how they have adjusted to that and with home deliveries and stuff like that. Very interesting talk, um, very enjoyable guy and uh, very straightforward, no secret there. A little bit about the sponsor before we start, uh, the Old Bar Prague, check that out online, um, home delivery, takeaways, um, great stuff, oatmeal and skier. And then Alfred Jobs, Alfred.cz, where you find your dream job. You can set up in the app. There is an app in the App Store, Alfred Jobs. Um, you can find jobs that are relevant to you and you don't have to browse through thousands of jobs. Alfred does that job for you and sends you the relevant ones. Uh, available in Czech, Slovak and English. Enjoy, guys. Welcome to the bunker, Pat, Jeff. How Thank are you? Thank you very much. I'm good. How are you? Very good. Um, I forgot to take pictures of us before. We need to remember that we after. We can do that. Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, we do like a before and after photos. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, you're the owner of Pat, Jeff's Barbecue, and um, I, um, I used to visit your restaurant, obviously now with COVID. I haven't visited any restaurant uh, <laughs> for a while. But uh, I, I remember when I saw that first, I, I got the name wrong. I thought it was Jeff's Bad Barbecue. Oh, and I was right. like <laughs> thinking, oh, this, this guy is a marketing genius. That would be a different thing. Yeah. But um, uh, but I was always curious, if you're bad, Jeff, was there a good one? Uh, there's a good, a bad, and an ugly. Uh-huh. Uh, we all, uh, three Jeffs, uh, good Jeff, bad Jeff, ugly Jeff. Uh, and we all used to hang out a lot together in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and some friends of ours got sick mm. of, hey, Jeff, and all three of us turning around. And uh, so one of the, a good friend of ours, a uh, Ukrainian friend of ours, Sasha, um, decided, uh, you're good, you're bad, you're ugly. Um, and the nicknames just stuck. Uh, we all three still live here. Um, and the the names the names seem to fit uh, <laughs> our personality yeah. a little bit. Uh, we're all still pretty close. We all we all talk quite relatively often. Um, 
Ugly Jeff is uh, Jeffrey Martin. Uh, uh-huh. He runs uh, Prague three, uh, 360 Cities. He's a photographer. They do, um, he does like uh, panoramic and uh, uh-huh. uh, f- f- photography. Uh, and Good Jeff uh, is Jeff Smith. He's an actor. Uh-huh. Uh, he used to own Prague TV. Uh-huh. For for a long time, started Prog TV with uh, with uh, Todd Benson and uh, and Peter Lowe, uh, but we just we used to hang out a lot, and it, it just got old. Uh-huh. Hey Jeff, and all three of us turning around, so so that's where it came from. So uh, so when you opened your restaurant about seven years ago, uh, in November, seven years, yeah, yeah. Th- there was never any other name. I struggled with it actually. I struggled with what to call it for mm. for a long time. Um, just the you know bad and food can always you know not be good sometimes so no. um you know so uh but i you know I, I spent you know five six months trying to come up with something else and my wife um who's also part of my partner in the restaurant she's you know she's not actively in in the restaurant much but uh she's uh, she owns 50 percent of it mm. um and we do it together um she was like come on it has to be bad jeff's like what else is it going to be mm. um and in the end, it was that's where that's that's what it became. But and Ugly Jeff didn't think about renaming his photographic <laughs> Ugly Jeff's photos. I don't think so. No, he didn't. Oh, no. no, probably better off with yeah. uh, some some other name. Yeah, it could be all right. Yeah. yeah. So, but you're so we're here here in Prague in the Czech Republic, and and you've been here since '96, uh, right? '96, yeah. And uh, but where did it all start? Where where did uh, Bad Jeff? Uh, where, where was he born and where, raised? Um, I grew up, uh, well, let's start over. I, I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm. Uh, I was raised in Tampa, Florida, near Tampa, Clearwater, St. Pete area mm. um, on the beach. Um, but to be honest with you, I grew up in Prague. You yeah. Know, I, you know, I came, that's kind of how I look at it. I, you know, I, I came here in 96. Uh, I was traveling around Europe on a URL pass. Um, it started, but before that, I was planning on coming to Europe with a close friend of mine for a long time. And we mm. had, were both we were both chefs working together. And we were planning on coming to Europe. Um, for about a year and a half, we were planning on this trip. And at the last minute, he bailed. Mm. And I'm not going. And I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to go. I'm going anyway. I'm going by myself. Um, which, to be honest, it was the best decision I ever made in my life. But why Why would you want to leave the U.S.? I mean, how... how- <laughs> Um, I mean, I was, I, like I said, I was in, I was in Tampa till I was, till I was, till I was about 18. Uh, then I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. I was there for six and a half years or so. Uh, and I was just not, I, I don't know, I just never, I never felt comfortable there. I never really felt comfortable in the States. Um, I still don't, when I go back there, I don't go back that often, but I just never felt really comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was always looking for something else. Um, and I, I took a trip to uh, to Europe for three weeks uh, in the in the early '90s with my mom, my sister, my aunt, a friend of my mom's, and my uh, my mo- another friend. So with uh, with five women, mm. uh, which I didn't see any of the stuff that I wanted to see. Um, obviously, um, and, uh, and then my mom's friend's son actually came to me and his buddy came to meet us. And then three of us, we ended up renting a car and driving around a little, you know, for about a week. Mm. Um, but I, I didn't see the stuff that I wanted to see. Um, and so you had unfinished business. I did. And as soon as I got back to the States, I spent 
the next couple of years trying to figure out how I was going to, I knew I was going to come back. Mm. I didn't really know how or when or where I was going to end up, but I knew I wanted to go back. Um, and I spent the next couple of years, uh, working, saving up my money and, uh, and to, to come back to Europe. Mm. Um, and I was working at a restaurant in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, with some friends, uh, and we, we were uh, living together and, mm. Uh, signed a moved into this new apartment and you know when we signed the lease I was like look I'm gonna be leaving eventually I don't know when I don't know how I don't know what, I don't know where I'm going but I'm leaving soon eventually mm. Mm. and they're like yeah whatever okay cool and you know and it was I think we lived together for about six or eight months um and you know every month paying rent it's like well you know this might be the last one and every you know for about six eight months and finally I was like all right guys I'm I'm out of here Mm. I'm leaving. This is my last, this is my last month's rent. Um, and, uh, I flew into, I had a one-way ticket to Amsterdam, uh, flew in Amsterdam, terrified, mm. no, no idea where, where it was going to lead me and, uh, spent, how long was that? I was in Amsterdam for a while for, I think about maybe six or eight months or so. Mm. Um, had a really good time in Amsterdam. I love Amsterdam. I'm a big fan of that city. Um, but I started to get in a little bit of trouble, mm. um, as you do in Amsterdam. Yeah. When you're bad, you have you. Yeah, I was. I mean, I was do bad stuff. I was bad. I was bad before I got the nickname. Mm. To be honest with you. Um, so, you know, I started to. I was doing a lot of drugs. I started to get a little bit strung out, mm. and I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. And I had been traveling around Europe before that. Um, a little bit, and I, I went to Pamplona, Spain. I ran with the Bulls a couple times, and I was did you know did a, a tour around Europe for a little while, um, and then I was in Amsterdam for a while for the, for like six or eight months, and started to get you know needed to get out of there, and packed my shit, headed to the train station, and I ran into uh, a friend of mine that um, we're we're actually not sure where we met first. Mm. Um, his name is Yasha Faye. of a uh, former Olympic weightlifter. Um, uh, I credit him for getting me to Prague, actually, because um, I was I was leaving leaving Amsterdam and I was walking to the train station and I ran into him and some other uh, friends that he was traveling with and I was like, whatever, how you doing? Well, good to see you, man. What's going? Where are you going? He's like, I'm going to. We're going to Prague. Uh, I was like, what are you going to Poland for? I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, you know, typical um, you know American, not not knowing what was what was up. Mm. Um, and we came to Prague together, um, mm. the five of us, and we spent a couple of weeks in Prague doing similar stuff that we were doing in Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, and after a couple of weeks, we, I didn't really see much. I saw the, the old sports bar. I saw the Charles Bridge, mm. a lot of Chapeau Rouge, um, uh, partying. Um, and we spent a couple of weeks partying here, and uh, we kind of destroyed a little bit the flat that we were staying in. And we needed to get out of there before the landlord came back. Um, and so we, we left. A couple of broken windows, whatever. Um, and the five of us walked to the train station. And, uh, I mean, I fell in love with the city right away. Mm -hmm. I really, I don't know what it was, but it was, you know, it, it, was, it was a different, different city. You know, it was like the Wild West a little bit. Um, and we all walked to the train station, and they all of them got on the train and I literally put one foot on the train. Uh, and I was like, guys, I think I'm going to stay. And, mm -hmm. I, and I ended up staying 
and they left. Um, uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but um, what about the, you know, like you you end up here somehow with with yeah, this is kind of random. Um, it absolutely was. But the the and at that time, are you? Are you are you a chef already? You've been cooking already. Where does that start? That starts when you're young, right? I I I grew my, I grew up in a family. Everybody cooks. Uh-huh. Um, uh, everybody, my grandparents, both sides. My my father was also a very good good cook. wasn't wasn't a professional chef by any means, but he was a very good cook. Mm. Uh, my mother is an amazing cook. Mm. Uh, my sister as well. Um, and I grew up in uh, a family around food and we were always, you know, I grew up, I was raised Jewish. Um, mm. and we were, you know, my, my grandparents were, uh, were, were quite religious. Um, uh, my great grandparents were very religious. Um, and they were, they were having six or seven hour long Seder dinners for Passover and, you know, and they were cooking all day or for days. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, my parents, uh, my mom had a restaurant um, in uh, Johns Pass Village. Uh, she won the uh, Budweiser Chili Cookoffs uh, two years in a row in in St. Pete, Florida, mm. with her chili recipe, mm. and won about seventy five thousand uh, dollars in uh-huh. the early eighties, uh, or mid mid to late eighties or so, and decided to open up a restaurant. Called Maggie May's Chili Parlor, which is fa- famous, I think, right? It was relatively. She w- it wasn't there very long. She had. Uh, um, it was. I mean, John's Pass Village is a. It's a pretty. It's a. It's a tourist area that mm-hmm. um, in St. Pete. Um, and uh, so she opened Maggie May's Chili Parlor. Um, she had it uh, for I think six years, and then they had a bit of an explosion in the restaurant from a, a gas cooker that was hooked up improperly. Um, and she never, she never got open again. Um, mm. But her, her chili is pretty famous. Um, and did you then, as a, as a like a kid, were you cooking? You're, you know, were you involved in in some of those? Yeah, uh, my aunt and uncle also have a restaurant. Uh, had a restaurant in Buffalo, New York, for about fifty-seven years, I believe. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and it was it was a kosher deli. Mm. Um, uh, they were they were a staple restaurant in in Buffalo. Mm. Um, and, uh, my, uh, my aunt, um, who's a, their daughter is, has her own restaurant, uh, Reese, it's called Risa's. It's also in, uh, in Buffalo. Uh, and they, I just grew up around everybody cooks and I grew up around, around cooking and I was cooking kind of washing dishes in my mom's restaurant when, when she had it, um, and started, uh, started cooking at a pretty early age with my dad mm. and we, you know, it just, it was a pretty easy transition. I started, well, my, my first real job in a, in a restaurant was at my, uh, my, my best friend's father's uh, seafood restaurant uh, in Dunedin, Florida. Started washing dishes and very quickly uh, started, started as a prep cook mm-hmm. and just kind of transitioned into, and, and I, I, you know, I mean, I love cooking. I love food. Um, and it's just something that, that it was a no-brainer. It was just and there something. was never any other, like you know, it was obvious for you that you would be in in gastro or food. I think so. I think so. Uh, uh, I grew up in a baseball family as well. I would have loved to be the starting shortstop for the Cleveland Indians, yeah. but that didn't didn't work out because I couldn't really play baseball. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's their loss. 
Yeah, fair enough. Thank you. Um, so it was just an easy transition, and it was just something I was not very good in school. Mm. Um, I dropped out of school pretty early, and you know, and you know, at sixteen, when at sixteen years old, you could sign a sixteen-year-old was an adult and could sign themselves out mm. of school. Mm. So I did. I went to school one day and signed myself out of school. Came home early. And my dad was there. He's like, got home, and I said, "What are you doing home?" I was like, "Well, I signed myself out of school today." He's like, okay, well, you have two choices. Mm. You either get back in school or you find a job because in this house you're either in school or you pay rent. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, I signed myself into a culinary uh, program um, in, in Clearwater. So you were out of school for a day or so? Uh, a little bit longer, but not yeah. much, not much <laughs> longer, not much. Um, and I signed myself into a culinary, culinary program um, and uh, more or less finished that. Uh, and I just, I was working in kitchens, um, uh -huh. you know, from then on. And uh, I did a, about a two-year apprenticeship program, uh, apprenticeship job of working for this crazy uh, English chef um, at a place called Clearwater Fish House. Mm. That's, that used to be pretty famous in, in, in Clearwater, but it's, I think it's long gone. Um, and uh, and I just, I just, one restaurant job after another. And what 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 was it like? Was this how your family was? You know, like okay, it's either school or rent. Yeah, yeah. My sister was very very good in school and went to university, and uh, I just was not. Why uh, not? You're just not interested. I was or? not interested. I started I started doing drugs very early, mm -hmm. really early, probably way too early. Mm. Um, and what, what what is that in your books? Then uh, or, or I started smoking weed at eleven. Ah, uh -huh, okay. Um, and uh, started doing hard drugs relatively soon after that. Uh -huh. Um, but that's uh, it's not something I recommend to anybody. But it is what it is. <laughs> no. You know, growing up in South Florida in the eighties, it's you know it was everywhere. Cocaine. What was that? C crystal or coke? Cocaine. Or? Cocaine. Uh -huh. In in South Florida in the in the eighties, uh. you could throw a rock and, and hit an ounce of cocaine. Uh -huh. <laughs> And and but it didn't affect you like you know, like in the culinary school or anything. I mean, it didn't set you off track. I mean, it never got that bad or what? Uh, no. I mean, I always had you know. I started really young. I started when I was eleven. Um, I'm not sure if my mom will appreciate this story, but whatever. We'll block um, her out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I wasn't the smartest kid. wasn't mm. the smartest kid in the world. So mm. you know, at that age, obviously, and uh, so I I I started by stealing my mom's weed. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, rather than taking some of it, I would just take all of it. Uh, and, you know, she would come home. She came Find home. Out. She came home and me and my friends are just baked in, in my room. And it's like, and her reaction, uh, other than, okay, you owe me money for my weed, was, okay, she sat me down and she pretty much told me everything that she knew about drugs. She told me about cocaine. She told me about weed. She told me about alcohol. She told me about good, bad, ugly, mm. you know, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> uh, she told me what she knew yeah. and everything that she'd done. Um, and because of that conversation, to be honest with you, I think that's, I've, I mean, I've, I've had problems. Mm. I've had drug problems, but I've never been able to not stop. Mm -hmm. I've never, you know, I've never, you know, been able to, wasn't able to not say, Okay, I, I knew yeah, my enough, I knew my limitations, and, yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah. because I think it's because of that conversation, I yeah. you know I really knew my limitations when it came to that. Um, and it must have been like as a kid, if you think about it, to to sit down with your parent and have this conversation. Is this way is so unconventional, but actually maybe 
was what actually saved my saved life. you. Yeah, absolutely. It saved my life. You know, and now that I think about it, it definitely did. Mm. Uh, and they were, you know, you know, it, it was, it was like, look, you know, you, you know, we, we're going to raise you, teach you what we know, and mm. we're going to teach you to make the decisions. You make the decisions, but yeah. you know, and we're going to give you the tools that we can give you mm. and let you make your own decisions. Mm. And that was, that was, you know, my same with my, my sister as well. Um, mm. but you know, we were, you know, pretty, uh, you know, self sustaining, um, yeah, and independent, Indep yeah, very independent yeah. from a very early age. Yeah. Um, and we were, you know, that's, that's how we were raised. Mm. You know, we were, I, we, we had a normal upper middle class upbringing. Mm. Um, And 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 they must have been happy when you you choose culinary. I mean, like that that must have been kind of like uh, okay. Well, my dad was my dad was an educated man. My dad, um, he I mean he understood that I made my own decision that I was mm. going to make my own decisions. He would have preferred me to stay in school um, and to maybe go to college and go to you know go to university and and go that route. But it just wasn't it wasn't in the cards. It wasn't mm. going to happen. Mm. You know, I rebelled very early. I was, I was a bad student, and I was a, I was a very bad kid in school. Um, I think it was my ninth or tenth grade year in high school. I got suspended. I went to a, I went to a big high school of over two thousand kids, mm. Dun, uh, Dunedin High School. Um, I think my ninth, I think it was my tenth grade year, ninth grade year. Um, I got suspended more than any other kid in school. Mm. Uh, like like and what were you up to then? I mean, what kind of things were you smoking weed in the parking lot, talking back, not not no. not giving a fuck, yeah. you know, making my own decisions. I just didn't care. I didn't. I I it wasn't uh, pretty stubborn kid. But as what, well. what, why do you think this is? I mean, the, the, was it like uh, you wanted the attention, or you just didn't give a shit, or I mean, I what? just didn't. I didn't. I, I knew it wasn't something that I was uh, was gonna do. Uh, I have slight ADD, mm. you know, attention mm. deficit disorder, and I just, I, it doesn't didn't sink in, and I just didn't care. Mm. Uh, and I was very, um, very, uh, you know, rebellious against against it. So, the bad Jeff is born very early it was, on. It was bad before I got the nickname. Let's say that. Yeah, my family will definitely agree with that. But uh, and then you, yeah so so there's no other route I mean like you you're doing something that you like and and um, um, and I think you told me or I or if I read it somewhere that you you worked in over hundred restaurants something like that take. yeah I lost uh, years ago I was I I tried to count them and I and I got to over a hundred and I got like I. I There was, I'm sure there was a few more in there, mm. um, in Atlanta and Georgia, or Atlanta, Georgia, and and Florida, and uh, I just I moved around a lot, mm. um, and from to different restaurants. It's a very transient type of industry, and yeah, yeah. you know you work at a place, you know, and and Florida's very, uh, it's very, it's a tourist place, and it's very, you know, it's seasonal. Mm. Uh, so I would work, you know, for six months here, and I would go somewhere else. And and how. And then yeah, you've been involved in in some capacity in opening sixteen different places or fifteen, yep. sixteen different places. Something like that. Yep. Was there any like? I'm just curious. 
because this is such a big number of places. I mean, have, have you have you ever walked into a, a restaurant job where you just knew that something was off? I've never um, uh, in a restaurant that I thought something was off. Yeah, or, or you'd kind of you could see I that do, it's, it's I not. I still do. I'm 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 not able to walk into a restaurant and not pick it apart. Uh-huh. I'm not I'm not able to. Uh, I have to. I I see things that most people wouldn't see and uh-huh. and they're and they jump out at me uh and i'm very uh, i'm i'm very what's the word i'm looking for um criti- i'm very very Bad. i'm very critical of of restaurants yeah uh and um because i can see the i can see what's wrong with them mm. as soon as i walk in mm. I say, yeah, you got any example of something that you were where you were working in the states, for example, where you just knew that this is never going to work, or you know, I don't know, they 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 didn't care about quality or yeah, the, there was the a food lot pushing or whatever. You I mean, know? the most important thing in a restaurant is consistency first and quality, mm. and and I think I think you know what what I do is not rocket science, um, but I think going into it, if you look at it as look at it that consistent and quality. Quality ingredients, mm. but consistency is the most important thing for me. Mm. Uh, this is why you know the most successful restaurant, or you know McDonald's and the fast food places, is because yeah. you know exactly what to expect one hundred percent of the time, and ninety nine percent is not enough. Mm. It's a hundred percent or nothing. Mm. And so I can. There's a lot of examples of that. You know, I walked into restaurants. You know, I mean, I, you know, from a pretty young age, six from eighteen, nineteen or so, um, I would go after a job. I've never. I don't think I've go, ever applied for a job that I didn't get that I wanted mm-hmm. because I, um, I've, you know, culinary wise, I can always, I've always been able to back up what I said. Mm. Um, and I always cared about that was, that was drilled into me pretty early quality and consistency. Mm. Um, so I go, you know, if I go for an interview, I've always looked at it as that I'm interviewing them. They're not interviewing me. Mm-hmm. It's always been like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always show up early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, so you don't have any any juicy story for me that you know, like I don't know, that you found the owner sleeping in in the fridge or you know, or or some some something like that. Because I mean, it, this gastro has been kind of in at least in the past was a little bit of a wild west, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a different thing now. Uh, I think the you know, I think chefs like Gordon Ramsay and mm. and what these guys are doing are, you know, they're more they're they're more celebrities than they are. Chefs, you know, although I have, you know, Gordon Ramsay's, you know, got mm. the, the guy who's got more Michelin stars than anybody else in the world mm. or has had. But, I mean, yeah, I've worked at restaurants where, you know, the line cooks were, you know, stepping off line to do rails on the, you know, in the in the office and mm. just stepping on a takeover, takeover kid, this kind of stuff and, mm. you know, stuff like that. Mm. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, you know, as I say, you know, I just wish I remembered more. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm I'm curious about that also because, like you're saying, I mean, like you, you start smoking weed at 11, and and then yeah, you progress into harder stuff. In culinary and gastro, there's a lot of drinking tons and drugs. Of it, tons of it. I mean, it's it's kind of like a, yep. I don't know. It just comes with a job somehow. Sure, sure, it's part of it. It is definitely part of it. Um, and if you know, if you don't have a iron constitution, it'll run right over you. Mm. Um, but again, I get that conversation with, you know, with my mom was, you know, I always like a, I always knew my limitations and I would never let it get too much of me. Mm. So I think, um, yeah. Um, but I was focused on, you know, on food and learning 
things about food um, at a pretty young age. Mm. Uh, I think, um, you know, I'm a, I collect cookbooks, um, quality ones, quality cookbooks, and I, you know, um, bit of a sponge when it comes to uh, learning new cuisines and this kind of stuff. And I've worked with and with every kind of food you can imagine. Mm. Um, you know, I made pizzas for many years and uh, barbecue and mm. Italian and Spanish and, you know, you name it, you know, I've done it in the restaurant world, mm. you know, except in the back of the kitchen, in the back of the house. I've, I've, I've literally, I think in my life, I've worked maybe two or three shifts in the front of the house. Mm. Um, and that was, I, I did a short bit at Hard Rock Cafe. Mm. here in Prague and it was, I had to do part of my training was to do a couple of front of the house yeah. uh, shifts I hated it I hated mm. it I don't mm. you know I, I belong in the back that's 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 that, that that's my wheelhouse mm. but um, you mentioned Gordon Ramsay and I'm, I'm curious because I, I was when I when I lived in, in Iceland I, I used to work in, in a wholesale company we were actually supplying a lot of restaurants and, yep. and um and during that time, there was this kind of transition happening. There, there, there was uh, we had a national team of chefs, and 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 I could see that the industry was kind of cleaning itself up somehow. There Absolutely. was, and and I'm, I'm and 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 so you that was maybe the first step. Then yeah, the the, the chefs became superstars somehow, TV personalities, yep. and I guess um, this has changed everything right i mean like the awareness of 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 food and sure. culinary and, and restaurants and stuff like that yeah well i think in the you know 70s 80s you know anybody you know we there were there were pirates that were that were you know, they were cooks but they you know were like they were like pirates mm. and i think you know that world it was a different world and i think you know early 90s is when things started to change a little bit and you know you know, celebrity chefs started to start getting their getting mm -hmm. their foot out there, and 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 realized that you know people realized that you could make real money doing what we do mm -hmm. um, if you're good at it, mm -hmm. um, and if you're a personality, you can make a lot of money. You make a lot of money writing books, making cookbooks. This yeah, kind of you stuff. brand yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I'm a huge fan of Julia Child. Like I've you know I was watching her TV mm -hmm. shows when I was when I was quite young. You know, if, you know I would watch them with my parents because it, it was just I. I'd, you know, it was about food, and I was I was into it. So, mm. um, but now I think it's I think it's gone a little bit too far. I think you know um, I mean I do I have a lot of respect for Gordon Ramsay as as a chef, um, but it's but you know you know the the TV shows that he has you know the the people he has on those shows are bullshit. Like mm. the, those are not of of good reflection of what I what we do. But is this like you know like. Um does does it somehow re reflect the reality though in terms of like all this screaming and yelling and stuff like that? I mean, I've heard stories like that out of the the I've seen customer it. industry. I've seen it. I've done it. Um, but that's old school. It's uh -huh. old school. You know, I I worked for a long time at uh, for Kampa Group here in Prague. I worked uh, you know for Nils and Marek mm. um, for about almost nine years or so, give mm. or take. Um, about two and a half years two years or so at Kampa and about five and a half six years at Sahelna mm. um and we got yelled at a lot we mm. got, you know you know those guys run their the kitchens through fear and that was that was that's a lot that's that's done a lot mm. um mm. because you can you can get results that way mm. sustainable results now no 
I don't think. Why, why so. I don't think now? because because people are too sensitive now. <laughs> you know, I, that, that's how I grew There's up. Too you many know? good Jeffs. Yeah, good Jeffs not so good. Ugly's not so ugly, and then there's bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, you but know. I'm I'm exactly this what you're saying. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm wondering if those tactics. I mean, um, if if they actually work today or, or did they maybe never work i think they did work uh -huh. i think they absolutely worked you know when when marek would come into the kitchen at mm. kampa marek would marek is uh, just kampa is like kampa a five park. star restaurant. not five star uh, but it's a, yeah yeah kampa park you know it was you know it's it, you know culinary world started with kampa park in in prague like yeah. like nils nils and marek started started the whole yeah. thing here they you know pretty much there's a few others but that that was the big one mm. um and i got my star you know i, I started working there Marek was a genius at walking into the building, mm. walking into the kitchen, and he wouldn't open every every fridge or every drawer, but he would he could smell what was missing, what was wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, as as busy as we were back then, you know, we were doing eight hundred thousand, a million crowns a day, which is like a forty thousand, fifty thousand dollars a day. A day. Yeah. I think the record, whatever. I don't want to talk numbers about it, but um, but we were doing ridiculous. You know, eight. 900 people 900 covers a day mm. consistently every single day and the way the system was there is that you you open for lunch uh for from 11 to 4 i believe it was and then from four to six you take a break to get to set up for dinner shift mm. and then from six till close and marek would come into the building everybody we all we all knew it when when he walked in Because he he kind of ran his restaurant through fear. He wanted you know people come in and say you if you fuck up it's your ass, mm. you know if you're not going to do you know you do the job or I'll find someone who will. Mm. And he would walk in and he would he could smell it. He could you know you're busy like that and you you know just something gets missed some you know you know the, your salmon is under mm. or over portioned or the, your one of your sauces you know your your butter sauces are broken or whatever it is on some one whatever station. He could smell it, and he would go in there, and he would find it immediately. He would walk up to it, and he would open that drawer, and he's like, "What the fuck is this?" Mm -hmm. And he and and we knew that if that happened, it was our ass, mm -hmm. and we would do, so you would do anything you could Absolutely. to. You do everything in your power to not fuck up. You know, and as busy as it was, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, we were doing long week, short week. You know, we're working eighty plus hours a week you know, mm. on the long week and then 35 hours 40 hours a week on the short week in just two days mm. give or take whatever um but you know you work you know you work your short week is wednesday thursday uh and then you're off friday saturday sunday off for the whole weekend then you go you start your long week monday morning monday tuesday off wednesday thursday and then you work friday saturday sunday that long weekend friday saturday sunday and you're doing eight hundred thousand crowns a day and mm. doing eight 900 or 1000 covers a day every day mm. it's it's a it's tough mm. you know it was one of the busiest restaurants i've ever worked in and it was um but it was all but you know monic taught me consistency this is what it's about mm. it's about it's about you do the same it's consistency this is mm. what we do and this is you know although it can you know you know we we could do specials and we could do we could be we could still be creative but you know You want smart robots mm -hmm. that are doing that are able to do the same thing over and over again, mm. and you know, and do it do it well. Mm. But the, so, so you don't think that 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 this, like seeing, 
what's his name? This uh, Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. To, th- I mean, Jamie Oliver didn't scream at anyone. He was just this. Jamie Oliver nice not a. Sh- he's not a chef. Uh-huh. Jamie Oliver is a. He's a cook that writes good books, and he's pretty on screen. And um, I'm not. He's a likable personality. He's a personality. Yeah. He is. Yeah. He, but Jamie Oliver's not. You know, his where his restaurants are all closed, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Oh. Um, you know, Gordon Ramsay is a different story. Gordon Ramsay is a proper is you know, he he has had more Michelin stars than any other chef in the history of the world. Mm. You know, he yeah, had, you uh, can't take that away from you him. You can't, you no. can't, and that's that's screaming know, or not screaming. Absolutely. You know, no. but there's you know there's other there's lots of other chefs that that you know you know that don't do that. Um, mm. um, I'm coming to mind. Sorry. Um, but uh, 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 yeah. uh, then what What seems to me, like, I mean, I don't know anything about food except that it goes a lot into my mouth and into my belly. I, I'm not a chef. I, I occasionally still call my mom to have her remind me yeah. how long I need to softball an egg. <laughs> but um, what what seems to me in some way happened is that, yeah, the industry kind of got cleaned up. It became a celebrity industry in some way. And then... Then we started bringing in, um, let's say, civilians. We started bringing in people that are, and we we made shows about them, like Master Chef and all that stuff. What do you think about that? What, what is that like? Uh, I think Master Chef. Uh, I think um, uh, the what is it called? Um, uh, Top Chef. I yeah. think uh, Top Chef for me is the only one that is legitimate. Mm. Master Chef. I mean, MasterChef is also legitimate, but it's but those guys are they're not professional. They're not professionals. Ma, uh, Top Chef is real. Some of the best chefs in the United States that mm. are competing to prove who's the best. Yeah, but when you then take it down to the like the Joe on the corner, Hell's, I mean, if I would be brought in, um, yeah, but Hell, like Hell's Kitchen, I think is bullshit. It's uh-huh. completely those those people are not brought in there to be good cooks and be good chefs. They're not. They're, they want they want them to be shit so he can yell at them. Because mm-hmm. it's good, it makes good for good TV. Mm. Um, so that I don't, that I can't stand. I can't get through an episode of that of those shows because it's it drives me insane. Um, Top but Chef, I can watch. I can I've watched every season. I can watch them all day long because mm. those are because I learned something from them. Because those are real, you know, those are real. You know, uh, Tom Colicchio, uh, who's the main judge on the on Top Chef, um, is is one of the best chefs in the United States. Mm. You know, he's got craft uh, craft restaurants all over the country, and it's. You know, but it's real. It, those are real, proper chefs, trained chefs. Mm. Exactly. But I'm yeah. but I'm curious more about the the like those shows that take just the regular shows like me, you know, like. And I'm thinking, okay, so does that devalue? Because what seems to happen is that somebody goes on on a, on some sort of a TV show, uh, as a, wins it, and then he or she is supposed to open a restaurant. It's impossible. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, even you know, like I, you know, I mentioned, you know, um, Hell's Kitchen. Like, you know, the the winner of Hell's Kitchen becomes Gordon Ramsay's. You know, runs one of his. It's bullshit. They don't. Mm. They don't. They're not. They're not capable of it. Um, you know, I I, I do a lot of uh, a lot of restaurant consulting, and I get a lot of you know people that I know that you know call me. It's like, hey, I got got some money. We're thinking about opening a restaurant. Normally, my first conversation is, it's always, it's usually, how much money do you have? Because that's obviously, mm. that's number one. Um, and depending on how that comes, you know, the answer to that question is like, you know, my suggestion is, give me 10,000 check crowns right now. Mm. Don't do it. 
Yeah, we'll thank me I, later. I just <laughs> saved you. I saved your relationship. I saved you millions of crowns. I saved you headaches. I saved you countless sleepless nights. Um, and it's only going to cost you 10,000 crowns. <laughs> um, if you don't love this business, do anything else with your life. But do you think it devalues it? That, that I do. Yeah. I do. I think I, 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 I take offense a bit at somebody. Because I can feel that. I do. I mm. take offense at somebody who thinks that they can, because they've got some money mm. and they've eaten in restaurants, that they can, you know, I, I always use the analogy of like, I've had my teeth cleaned many times, but, you but be, I wouldn't no. become a fucking dentist. Mm. You know, and, and I think that somebody, because you have some money and you need a hobby, mm. you think that you can do what I do and, and you can't. Mm. And you can't. And you mm. think, all I got to do is get the doors open and we'll make tons of money. Mm. Like, this is, this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. No, and I've seen that uh, there are places there, there are places here in in Prague that I've seen which were obviously created as some sort of a pet project, yep, yep. and none of them ever worked they out. Don't, they don't. They never do. They will mm. fail. They mm. absolutely will fail. But I, I take big offense to it. Like like you mm. can't. I've spent. I've I've been doing this for thirty five plus years. Like mm. you can't do what I do and know what I know because you have some money. Mm. You know, uh, and it's it's something that I mean I'll help. I'll I'll, I'll do my best to help you mm. if you're going to pay me. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, how is it like? So you learn you learned this, and then you worked in uh, you know bunch of places, and and you know you've basically been doing this now for like forty years, almost, yeah. right? So how how what is school versus learning on the go? I mean, like, what, did the school give you a foundation or or? or yeah, I mean, I, I it gave me it did give me a foundation of you know classic French. Mm. techniques and this kind of stuff um you know you you know you can't you know learning your five basic mother sauces this kind of stuff and mm. um you know some some basic butchery skills and this kind of stuff but i learned most of what i know from on the being on the job i learned mm. a lot during the, the, the apprenticeship that i did um that that was a lot that was that was crazy but it was i learned i learned a lot of that mm. Mm. Uh, on, on in that but i learned you know most of what i know from being on, from, from doing it, yeah, yeah. from doing it, yeah. and 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 fucking it up, and making mistakes, and learning not to do it again. You mm. know, like you know, you know, and getting yelled at, and getting yelled at, and getting pinzettes thrown at you, and mm. you know, plates pushed onto waiters' feet because they said something wrong, and you know, mm. chefs turning around to you, hey, Glitzy, do <laughs> it again, make them again, um, and then making the waiter pay for them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, another thing that I, I think has like uh, impacted this industry a lot is is the is the reviews and the kind of the open access to to I mean I don't know what to criticize and I, I don't know how, how it is but I can imagine that people are more inclined to write the negative comment absolutely and a positive yeah. one yeah I, I, i'll criticize it um i think you know things like TripAdvisor and you know google you know google reviews i think are more you know more honest because you you know you you know uh but TripAdvisor, i don't understand what gives somebody you know so that somebody doesn't know necessarily what they're talking about the right to write something you know everybody's everybody's entitled to their opinion but you know, I put everything into my restaurant. You mm. know, I put a lot into it. And my, you know, my team, did, we work really hard. And for somebody, you know, the the bad reviews 
hurt much more than the good ones make you feel good. You know, mm-hmm. we get, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, on TripAdvisor, you know, before, you know, pre COVID, uh, we did really well on TripAdvisor for years. We were, we got up to number two. Uh, two or three um, for six months, you know, in you know, a few years ago. Um, but I, I would look at it every single day, mm. every day, and I would check the review. We were getting reviews, five, ten reviews every single day, mm. um, and and normally they're they're good and positive. Um, but I also think that the negative uh, the negative ones, you know, the ones that aren't bullshit, the ones that aren't just somebody with a with an axe to grind or whatever. Uh, the, the legitimate ones, everybody fucks up. Everybody makes mistakes. You know, I think that you use the, the, the bad ones. That's how we get better. Mm. You know, I, you know, I, you know, I don't necessarily want to know. I mean, I want to know about the good ones just so I can, you know, brag about them, you know, and, you know, my, you know, tell my staff, you know, how good of a job they're doing, but the bad ones are the ones that we really want to hear because that's how we get better. Mm. And we use those as a tool to get better. And if you do it, if you use it as a tool, then I think it's fine. Mm. Uh, but I think you know, you know, my wife made me made me take it off, take TripAdvisor off my phone, um, take it off my computer, and she made me stop looking at it because I would, you know, I two in the morning I would roll over and I would see something, I would see a bad review, and I and I wouldn't sleep. Mm. You know that shit drives me crazy, and it and it really, you know, it's it it, it hits home. But uh, this didn't exist when you were starting. I no. mean, like there, there was no such thing. I mean, I don't know, forty years, yeah, there was. Wasn't really an internet, you know. No, but there was. I mean, there was magazines and newspapers and mm. this kind of stuff as well. And then, but I mean, a, 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 but you know, like for instance, I think uh, like uh, the guy from Check Please mm. uh, that does the 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 reviews like, here in, yeah, in, in Prague, Prague. Yeah, he like he has. You know, he's not a. He's. I don't think he's worked in restaurants, but he has a food background and he loves food. Mm. And he's an honest writer. And I think there's lots of reviewers that write stuff that have no idea about food mm. and they write bullshit that they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Mm. Um, and they're writing it to get page views and to get, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm. And, and, you know, and Brewster does not do that. He, he writes cause he writes about food cause he loves food mm. and he's an honest, you know, I know him actually. And he's, you know, I think when we, we got number one on his burger list once or twice, I think, Um, and I, and I, and I saw him and I was like, I thank you. It's like, thank you. Appreciate the, you know, the nod. Thank you very much. Uh, next time you come into the restaurant, um, your burgers on me, your food's on me. And he's like, look, dude, I don't do that. I won't mm. do that. I'm not mm. gonna, I'm not, I, I, I thank you. I appreciate it, but I won't, I won't accept that. Mm. Um, and that's honest, mm. you know? And I think, you know, the honesty is if you're, if you're writing a review out of, uh, with, uh, with honesty, cool, that's mm. fine. Like, mm. you know, I'm fine with that. But if you're writing nonsense, mm. whatever. Um, so yeah, we, we kind of got onto how you, with a small pit stop at Amsterdam, you ended <laughs> up in Prague and you put one foot on the train and, and, and then, yeah, you decided to stay. Yeah. Um, then did you know then that you would, you, you were going to go into some culinary here? I mean, that, that was. Yeah. My first, my first cooking job here was at Bohemia Bagel. Mm-hmm. Uh, little Glenn, Glenn Spicker gave me a job. Yeah. Um, I worked there for about five or six months. Uh, Glenn's a friend of mine. Um, I don't know, friends don't always want to, you don't always, always want to work with your friends, but mm. um, I think I, you know, him and uh, Glenn and Tracy were running Bohemia Bagel and I was kitchen manager there for a while. Uh, and then um, after that, I was working at a place called Boomerang. Mm. Um, and then I started, uh, I actually 
my, I started at Kampa Park. Um, I was, uh, they, they were opening uh, a, a place in Bratislava, Le Monde, mm. um, after Kampa. That was the next one that they opened. Um, and Marek, uh, the executive chef, was going to Bratislava to open Le Monde. And he needed a chef to run Kampa. Mm. And Nils had met somebody, met this guy named Alex Fry, uh, I think in New York. Uh, Alex was a uh, was a really an up and coming young chef working for John George in New mm. York. Uh, that Nils met, and he was like, "Look, I my chef is going away for a little while to 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 open our our next place. I do want to come to Prague and work and run Kampa Park for for a while while he's doing it." And he did. And Alex came here, uh, and I met Alex at uh, at a party, and we we're both both chefs. Uh, and we started talking. He's like, "Look, I'm running Kampa Park," and I was mm. you know, my jaw. I was like, "Okay, okay, fuck, I I would love Crown to I would love to work there." Yeah. And he's like, "Well, come, let's let's talk." And and he hired me, mm. uh, and I worked, <laughs> I worked there. Uh, I think I think that was '99. Uh, and Alex ended up. Uh, he, Alex was a great chef, but he was a cunt. Mm. <laughs> And he treated his staff really bad, even you know, you know, worse than than most. And it just he didn't fit here, and and everybody hated him. Uh, and and he lasted, I think, five or six months. Mm. And and they uh, and they fired him mm. pretty much. And uh, and and I had been working, just working on the line for that time. Mm. Uh, and, and Marek and Nils asked me to stay mm. and I ended up working for them for almost nine years on an, on, on an offer about nine years. I think I was uh, maybe to this day, I think I might be the, the longest sure tenured, uh, uh, foreigner to work for them. Okay. Um, and I was there, uh, they've had a few since, but, um, uh, it was an amazing experience. You know, mm. I met some, you know, we fed everybody, everybody, you know, fed, you know famous people, everybody, mm. you know, um, uh, Mick Jagger's 60th, birth, 60th birthday party, uh, um, Schwarzenegger, and everybody came here. Uh -huh. Everybody was here. Tom Cruise, and everybody came to Kampa Park back then. Everybody. Uh -huh. Their pictures were up on the walls, and you know, uh, and it was an amazing. And we were making incredible food, mm. incredible food. Maybe not incredible food for for New York or for other. But maybe it, 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 it was, but uh, it was definitely, it was, it was, Definitely incredible food for Prague. It was mm. Something that was n nobody was doing anything like that here. Does that add some pressure when you know that you're cooking for Schwarzenegger or or Tom Cruise or Mick Jagger? Uh, at first it did, but you get used to it. Mm. it wasn't a, no, no, because every you know everybody's you know every dish is VIP. Mm. You know, it's something that uh, I met Slash at uh, George Prime Steakhouse nice. by just nice. by coincidence, and I I remember that you know I I I just. I went into a blackout and told him something about how I lost my virginity nice. and stuff, you know, like, and he was just like, what the fuck is wrong yeah, with yeah. this guy? But I mean, did you meet, the, I mean, how, how does, when, when a person like Mick Jagger comes into a restaurant, does he, is, could you as a chef come, hi, Mick, Mick, I'm, I'm bad chef? Uh, 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 no, because I was, uh, no, I mean, Marek would. Yeah. Uh, Nils definitely would. N yeah. You know, Nils the owner and, and, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, and Peter Lostovichka was the uh, chef de cuisine there for many years. Um, he also would. Um, mm. But uh, but you know, just you know, just one of the one of the guys. No. Um, uh, at Campo, it was a little bit different because at, before they did their first re big reconstruction, 
the kitchen was it was an open kitchen and mm-hmm. so people could just walk up and they could talk to us um uh so um you know ben kingsley people like that would you know they would come hey thanks guys this kind of stuff and uh-huh. you know um but you get used to it you get used uh, to yeah. it you know i um but I, I was used to that as well but i i'd uh um, I cooked for a couple presidents in my life. I cooked for for Bill Clinton, uh, Gerald, uh-huh. Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, uh, in Atlanta. Gerald Ford, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you've been around the block. Yeah, yeah, I was in Atlanta in the, in uh-huh. in the nineties, uh, you know, or, or mid nineties. Um, and so I, I you know, how does that work? Just uh, now that you say it, I mean, does if you're cooking for a president, uh, was it the serving president? Any or the Clinton? No, serving? Clinton was president at the time. He yeah. came in. He was uh, the governor's mansion was a, was a, up the street from the restaurant that I was working. It was called Houston's uh, at the time, oh. um, and it was a it's a pretty relatively famous place. Not famous, but it was pretty po- very popular. Mm. Um, and uh, Clinton came in, uh, but the Secret Service came in. Yeah, and they lot. checked. They do. No, they were they come in. They came in. There was about eighty of them that came in. Whoa! And they are all over the building, and uh, they're they're checking the food and checking everything. And then he comes in, and nobody was allowed to li- come or go while while he was while Clinton was in the building. But he actually walked around and shook every hand in the building. Wow! You know, that, that, took, that that's at least like in the movie. So they it was come, cool. Yeah, it was cool. So you know, after something like that, yeah, yeah, short. Yeah, night, then then, yeah. then Mick Jagger is kind of a. Small potatoes. I don't know about that, but no. you know, you know, but it's you know, it was it it didn't get you know. You're focused on the food. You're uh, focused on you know, uh, you know. I'd rather you know make sure I'm focused on their food and making their making their food really kick ass. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, let's go back to Prague. So you you work. For these guys for nine years, and I did. You work for Hartro Cafe here in Prague. I as well. did very shortly, but how does that work? Because I've often been curious about those, as you mentioned earlier, that you know one the of the things that yeah, the but, corporate but world everything is, is very <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, me too, but uh, I spent most of my time there though. But uh, but you mentioned that McDonald's has this consistency, and I guess one thing that those places are good at, like Hartro Cafe, is is to have everything kind of all processes and everything in mm. in order, right? Yeah, I don't think hard. I mean, Hard Rock started out in the '70s as a different thing, mm. and it was you know it was more it was about the food was was a different part of the game. Now that it, that's uh, it's all about merchandise, you know, mm-hmm. you know, there it's all about getting them in, get them into the building, and sell them on overpriced get, t-shirts, get, let, get them a burger or and get them, but get them to buy a fucking t-shirt. You know, mm. they you know Hard Rock buys. Two million pieces of a T-shirt, you know, for sixty cents a piece, and they sell them for fucking twenty-five euros, you know. Mm. So, it, like, it's all about that's that's what Hard Rock Cafe is about. Mm. Um, but they do have this, like, whenever somebody comes in, he should get the menu in ten minutes, and he should. They do. Be, I mean, like, you know, like there's these yeah, that processes. Was, yeah, but I've I've had I've worked for places like that before Hard Rock mm-hmm. uh, that that cared that, that the food was more more important. Uh, the food in Hard Rock is not good. So it's not even a good school, you would say. I mean, like it's not necessarily a good school for someone. Uh, I was, I've, I mean, I I was working at a a, a restaurant in Zhishkov. I was executive chef uh, of uh, Mood mm-hmm. um, for yeah. for a couple of years, and uh, my wife and I had just had our first 
kid and I was working 75, 80 hours a week. I was making great money, but I was just exhausted. And I was sitting in my office one day at uh, at Mood and I was like, fuck, I can't do this anymore. I'm just, you know, I I haven't seen my, our baby, Mm. you know, for a while. And it's like, I need to fucking do something else. So I went online and I actually went to Craigslist Prague and I saw an ad for Hard Rock Cafe Mm. uh, and I sent an email right there and they, they called me back immediately within, they called me and called me back while I was sitting in my office uh, at Mood. Uh, and they, we did an interview. I don't know, my experience with Hard Rock was, uh, it was short. Uh, I mean, it was a good experience to to the to see what the corporate world was about because I hadn't really done it before. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my best friends, uh, Theo Smith, uh, I called him. I was like, hey, what do you think about me going to work at Hard Rock Cafe? He's like, dude, you're going to either love it or you're going to fucking hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you love it, it's just because you're making, you know, but I was making great money. I was making, you know, really good money. I was working 40 hours a week. Mm. I was home a lot. You know, it was, you know, they sent me to Amsterdam for six weeks for training. Mm-hmm. Um, Back to Amsterdam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Different um, trip. Yeah. Um, but the corporate world is something, I mean, it, it, what did you hate about it? What did you hate about that? Uh, I mean, it wasn't, it's a numbers game. It's all it is. It's just about numbers, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, they make a lot of money, which that's, you know, it's, uh, which I can respect that, you know? Um, but it's not about the food, you know, they, they hired me, uh, as I was the first sous chef in Europe, mm. uh, for Hard Rock Cafe. They had, they have some sous chefs cause it's all kitchen managers and assistant mm-hmm. kitchen managers. There's no sous chefs. Um, in the States there are, but, and I was the first, uh, sous chef they hired in Europe. And, uh, they were, I mean, it's just, it's not about the food. It's not mm. about the food mm. anymore. Mm. You know, it's about, you know, the experience, but that's also, that can be, that can be cool. And you know, that, that, the, the hard rock cafe here is an amazing space. Yeah. The beautiful you building. Know, nice. A, amazing. Layout and, amazing. You know, um, you know. and I met some really cool people there. Yeah. Um, I met some not cool people there as well. Mm. Um, my general manager, Yvonne, and I met there. Actually, is that's one of the things that I take from that. You know, mm. um, he's been with me for going on six years now. Mm. Um, he's an integral part of my team. I couldn't do it without him. Mm. Um, but the corporate world is something. It's new. It's it's different. It's not for me. Mm. It's not something that I that I really understand. You know, I don't understand. You know, spent spent a lot of time counting frozen burgers. No. Yeah. Um. Then a little bit on, on, well, a lot on Bad Jeff's, on, on your restaurant, because that's the first restaurant that you opened that is entirely yours, right? Yes. And I guess, was that like, I don't know how, how is that like when you when you start up your journey in culinary, I mean, you're 16, you sign into that course, so you don't have to pay rent. Yep. Um, postponing the inevitable, because in the end you had sure. to pay rent somewhere, yeah, but... Was it always like a dream to have your own place? Is that is that something that you set up with? Yeah, I knew I would do it eventually. I was I was afraid to do it. It took me a long time. I mean, we've been you know I've been in this business almost forty years. It took took me thirty plus years to to open my own place. Uh, I think the hard part for me was transition. You know, I was executive chef for a bunch of places over the years. Um, I have a fine dining. You know, I've mostly fine dining. That's mm. my background. Mm. Uh, the hard part for me was transitioning from executive chef to owner. It took me a couple of years to really figure that out mm. uh, because it's a different thing. It's not, you know, it's a, it's, you know, and you know, if the, if the, if the owner is doing executive chef stuff, then the, the stuff that he should be doing as an owner is not getting done. And then mm. if you, you know, and it shit rolls downhill. So 
So that was that was tough. Um, mm-hmm. It took me a couple of years to really figure that out. Mm. Um, but uh, I think I did. But it, you know, it's you know, it's with my team. You know, like I said, I, I you know I do what I do really well. And if I don't do it really well, then I find somebody who can, mm. and I and I put them in that role. Mm. Uh, is that's kind of been a philosophy. But uh, and the concept, you know, bad Jeff's barbecue. Because I mean, we, we're talking about a global audience here uh, that that don't know. I mean, yeah, it's it's not only Prague; it's yeah. everywhere. But what what's the what's the concept? Or what? Yeah, what did you set it out to be? Um, I mean, I, I like I said, I have a fine dining background, so I wanted to do. You know, I didn't want to do white tablecloths, but I wanted. To kind of make, you know, I, I kind of t- coined the phrase dirty barbecue. Mm. It's kind of what we do. Mm. Um, but it's, you know, with a kind of not a fine dining, f- sort of a fine dining feel, but, you know, but fine dining in the sense of of the quality of the service, mm. and the quality of the wines and the quality of the of everything. The atmosphere. And the atmosphere and, and yeah. that. But with, with barbecue. Mm. And it was something, and we were the first barbecue restaurant in Prague. You know, now there's, there's lots of others. Not lots, but there's a bunch of others. Mm. Uh, and they're... Um, there's some good ones, you know, we, you know, we don't, uh, the type of barbecue that we do, I don't, I don't have, I have a smoker, but we, we only mainly use it for our wings. Mm. Uh, the other barbecue, I do you know, the bar, the ribs and the brisket and that kind of, we, we braise them and it's mm. just kind of always how I've always, it's, it's a method that I've always done. It's, you know, it's a lot easier. We use uh, dry rubs that I've, that I've worked on over the, over the years. And, but uh, how uh, is th- is this? I'm just curious because I mean I ate, ate ate many times in your place and I love I love the food and actually when you say it I I the atmosphere is different than what I would expect necessarily for for this cuisine it's kind of it's a little bit more elegant that's what we try to do I mean we want we want it not interactive but we want it you know in, uninvasive but still there yeah, you know yeah. you you know you, you know i think the you know it's not that in your face exactly cafe. No, it's, it's not intrusive but yeah. if you if you know if you you don't have a drink waiting uh, an empty glass in front of you for very long my you know my staff they they pick up on that pretty quickly mm. stuff like that you know but um and and the, and, and sorry and the cuisine and, and the the menu that you built or the concept that you built is this i don't know is this is this is this from the heart of Bad Jeff? You know, is is this the cuisine that you liked, or you saw it as an opportunity in the market? I or think it's a bit of both. Uh, we saw, we saw, you know, when I was, you know, I, I, the hard rock thing, you know, didn't work out for me, and I was trying to figure out, you know, what I was going to do. And my and my wife was sick of me. We just had our first baby, and my she Sarah was just like, look, you got to stop. You got to stick with something. Mm. <laughs> Can't keep changing jobs every year and a half or two years. Uh, and we need some consistency. And I was like, okay, well, let's let's open our own place. And I saw that there was no barbecue here, and I love doing barbecue. And I saw there was a gap in the market, but I also saw that there was an opportunity for us to do something pretty special mm. um, with the quality and the consistency. Um, it took me a while to find the right people, mm. uh, which uh, I ended up doing. Um, I think, uh, no, my st- I, you know, I, I'll put my staff... My 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 staff up against any other restaurant staff on this planet. Like my guys are amazing, and mm. they you know they love what they do. Um, they uh, I think trust is a massive part of it. You know I you know I trust every, no, I, nobody in that works for me uh, is in the building for very long if I don't trust them. Mm. Um, and there isn't anybody in the building that I don't trust. 
Um, and there really never has been. Um, even the ones that have guys that have come and gone, you know, I still, there was always trust there. Mm. Um, you know, we always have our, you know, it's always issues in the kitchen, but whatever, um, you know, that goes with the territory. Yeah. Um, so I think there was a, the, we saw a gap in the market and we said like, let's, let's do something. And then we, we saw we could do something pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Talking about the trust, because when I started working here 12 years ago, I was, I felt, I, I was often told by, by my, um, the, some of the managers that I had under me that I was too nice, that I was too, I was trusting people too much. I do that as well. Yeah. I do that as well. Um, I'm very, I'm very trusting, and it, it, it bites me in the ass. But I mean, I, I only know one way to be. But I'm just, I'm wondering about the cultural difference. You know, if, if it's, um, because you know, like they, 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 they very much wanted to kind of all power to reside at the top somehow, and 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 to receive orders instead of making decisions and rather, you know, be guided or rewarded or or whatever. I, I, I'm just. Well, I mean, I think my... And in Castro, it's a, it's a tricky business because, you know, there are many places where the money can leak out and this kind of stuff, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I've never... In seven years, there's never been a single crown missing from my restaurant. Mm. I, my, my guys are, you know, if they want to roll a toilet paper or they want to grab a beer before they leave, they send me a message. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but I pay them well. Um, I pay them much, I would say a lot more than other places will. And you retain the same I do. Crew. Uh, you know, Yvonne's been working with me for almost six years. My sous chef, Mikhail, has been with me for four and a half years. Mm -hmm. uh, my first general manager, Maki, was, we were working together for a long time. We'd worked together on and off for 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, it's, you know, I think uh, consistency in the kitchen is, you know, you can tell a bad restaurant by the places that, that turn their staff over a lot. Mm. You know, it's, it's, uh, it says a lot. Mm. Um, but you, you mentioned it that, you know, like you, you try to get people that compliment you on, on the areas where, where you have weaknesses or, but isn't it still, I mean, it's your business, your, yours and your wife's business. So, uh, doesn't it all end up somehow with you anyway? Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I look at it as, you know, it's my job to and my responsibilities and i'm in the role of making the decisions mm. but my my staff are there to implement them mm. and the ones that we but i take their i take their opinions quite seriously i know they're good at what they do and i and i and i respect their opinions mm. so i don't it's not my way or the highway it's never been like that it's like look if you think you know what what do you think about the, what, how about this and it's like well what, we can't do that because of this um, but it's all about uh you know clear discussions and open lines of communication mm. and i think it's it, that it's key you mentioned this transition from uh i don't know what did you call it the, the main chef or you from know, executive chef to, yeah, owner, to yeah, owner yeah i mean was it harder than you expected somehow to much harder uh -huh. much harder I because of all the stuff that you had to think yeah. about that you you have to think about everything. Uh -huh. You have to think about everything, and I and I gain much more respect for people like Nils Jebbins and you know owners of other places that that have been owners for many many years. Mm. You know, Nils has had Kampa for twenty five, twenty seven years mm. for 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 years and years. Um, and you know, much more respect for those for people for people like that for doing what they do for as long as they do it. Mm. Um, and we've made I've made it seven years, still alive through this COVID thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're just, we're, we see the light at the end of the tunnel and that light luckily enough is not the muzzle flash from a shotgun, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's, it was, uh, it was a lot tougher than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, and it's, it's kind of, I have often in my, in my career, I've had very different, various management roles and, and, and very Often I've been greeted with the uh, the phrase, "Oh, you you're not an expert on the subject. You're not like you're not really great at I don't know whatever fucking IT or whatever yeah. it is." And and I say no, but I'm good at finding people who are good at that. Yeah, yeah, as well. I mean, but I also think that the only thing that I know is that I don't know shit. Mm. And I think finding people that you know, I do what I do well, and the people that I that uh, that I surround myself with. In my restaurant, I find the ones that do the things that I don't do well, that they are, they're really, they're, they mm. do them very well. Mm. Um, and I think that's very important. And, but people have this, I mean, like, they have this expectation, though, that, that if you're a great chef, then you should be able to run a great it's restaurant. Bullshit. It's, it's not, it's two separate things. A uh-huh. restaurateur and a chef are not the same thing. No. You know, I think... Uh, I know lots of very, very talented chefs that have made awful owners, uh-huh. um, and I, I'm still figuring it out. I'm not saying that I'm uh, that you I'm mastered the I'm, art. I have uh-huh. not, not even close. Mm. Um, anybody will tell you that. Anybody that knows me will tell you that. But mm. um, being a good chef does not, does absolutely does not translate into being a good restaurant owner. Mm. I've always been curious about like. Um, I had in my in my earlier life, I had suppliers in the U.S. that were sending me vegetables uh, to Iceland, which I was selling onwards, and um, they were also supplying restaurants in in around uh, Boston and 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 those areas, and and it was really it was such a hard competition there. You know, it was really like they were pricing; the margin was in cents. Yeah, it was never in. Yeah. Yeah. And it was always high volume, low price, but high volume. You know, it was all about just sweating sure. the assets. Yeah, is that different here? I mean, is is the U.S. market when it comes to this more competitive than you would think here in Europe? Or, or um, I think it's getting pretty competitive here. Uh, there's, uh, I think, Czech suppliers have a tendency. Uh, I think, like the you know the big guys. Um, Macro, for instance, mm. I think macro, um, they don't necessarily, they know that they're going, that they got me. They know, or, or most of us, they know we're going to keep, we're going to use them and keep going there. Mm. Um, and they don't necessarily care if I don't because they're, it's such a, a massive of, of customers. Yeah. Yes. They don't care. Mm. Um, and I've had, you know, I think there was one year that, uh, that I think I I spent around three million Czech crowns with macro, which is about uh, what that's like hundred and twenty thousand euros, something like this over the year, uh, something like this. Is that right? No, three million Czech crowns. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and and then I and then you know after the New Year, so we we called macro and like called our rep and like look we need to okay this is what we spent last year I need to sit down with you I want to talk about some 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 better prices and like, mm. nope mm. nothing we can do for you this is what we got. Mm. This is what we got. It took a long time, and then that next year, I spent th- I spent like three hundred thousand check rounds mm. because I just out of kind of out of spite, 
I'm just like, well, if you're going to tell me to go fuck myself, then mm. I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself. But um, do you think this is changing? I think it is. I think it's getting more competitive. I, I, definitely, I think there's companies like Elite Foods. Mm. Um, I think there's uh, there's a, a lot of other suppliers that are um, they're more customer orientated, and they're mm. they will you know they will do their best to to work with you. I, we work a lot with Elite Foods with Lee um, Broster at Elite Foods, mm. uh, and Lee's always you know in the year and a half that we've been working with him, or so a couple of years we've been working with him, he's always there's never been an issue that he couldn't fix. You know, he he'll deliver it himself on a Sunday afternoon if he has to mm -hmm. um but i but good luck getting you know some of these other suppliers to do that yeah they don't even answer the phone yeah. some of them it's true um but this um this idea that you i think you mentioned it earlier that you know like people come to you and 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 tell you that they want to open a restaurant and they maybe spent all their life working in an office so i, th I think i think somehow we have this Maybe it's with everything. I don't know. At least it with some some industry. But I think Castro for sure has this kind of romantic, you know, like oh yeah, it would be great to have a small cafe and blah blah blah. And then you spend the fortune building that cafe, and then they find out that you don't know how to do it. I mean, did did you have this romantic vision, or or, or what do you think of this? No, I had a realistic vision of it because I've seen, I've been, I've been involved in restaurants forever mm. and that's all i've ever done um so i under i've seen good i've seen bad i've seen ugly, ugly. <laughs> uh, i've seen uh really well run restaurants mm. uh, that still didn't work mm. um and i think you know you got I th you have to be very lucky uh timing is everything um but i think there's only there's only a few things that need to go wrong uh for it not to work mm -hmm. and there's a million thing million and nine things that need to go really well in a certain order for it for it to work well and make money and mm -hmm. do and be successful so uh there's only a you know there's only a couple things you know one not many things have to go wrong for it to completely go tits up mm -hmm. you know I mean? But why do you think people have this romantic idea about this? Where, where does that come from? Because yeah, food is sexy, mm -hmm. you know, and I think uh, you know, most people like to eat great food. And um, I don't think because years ago you I don't know they think they think it can be easy. You know, I mean, I have I have back trouble because I've been standing on my feet mm -hmm. for most of my life, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's a tough it's a tough business. It's not an easy you know being just as a chef, not an owner, but as a chef, it's a it's you know it's a young man's game mm. you know and it's it's long hours and if you want to go to work for somebody like Kampa Park or, mm. or these these big restaurants and the and if you want to go work to go work for Gordon Ramsay or work for Alinea or work for these really mm. really top restaurants in the world it's like a marriage mm. you know and you're you know it's you, a lifestyle it is but you can expect you know you can expect to work for one of these chefs that you know, if you're gonna, you know, two o'clock in the morning, and you know, you need to the chef needs you to go, you know, get up early and go shopping the next morning. Then you need to do it. You know, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's part of the life. Mm. Um, you know, if you have a dog to walk, good luck. Yeah. You know, if you you know, you know, unless your you know your your girlfriend or your wife is in the business, good mm -hmm. luck. You're not gonna see her. Mm. You know, so that's something that's, uh, you know, it's, you know, 16 hour day sometimes. At Kampa, you know, when I was there, we were doing, I was working 16 hours a day. Mm. How is it now as an owner of your own place? I mean, I guess you, 
I mean, you you might not be there all the time, but I'm you're not, always on. I'm there every day. I'm yeah. there. I'm uh, most of the times I open the I open up in the mornings. Um, I'm very rarely there. I'm never the last. I'm never there uh, the last to leave anymore. Mm. But for the first two and a half years, I was. I was there every morning, and I was and and I was there all day every day mm-hmm. for two and a half years. Mm. Um, now it's different. Now I you know, but I, I have a team that I trust, and I don't mm. I don't need to be. Mm. Um, but. Um, but do you, you, but you still need to be available if they have some problem in Absolutely. the evening when you're Always. gone. Right? I'll drop what I'm doing at. Uh, I'll drop whatever I'm doing at any time, day or night, if if they need me. And holidays. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Something on breath. Yeah. Um, uh, but you don't close the place over summer. You don't. You don't have any. We used to. We uh-huh. used to. Uh, we used to close for a few weeks in the summer, and mm-hmm. then after New Year's, we would close for a couple weeks. Um, but I stopped doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I just um, you know let my staff take You're their the holidays. first guy that that burps on my. Did I? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's great. I, li- I love it. <laughs> it's a culinary. <laughs> uh, maybe it's from from my lunch. I, I mean, I don't as a chef. I eat like most chefs. Mm. Um, I don't think I don't necessarily eat what I'm capable of cooking. Mm. You know, I don't eat. You, you eat know, on the run. I do. I eat shit. Uh-huh. I eat shit most of the time. I eat not my, your own food. I mean, you're not. You're not. You don't cook your, a great meal in the kitchen. And I, I mean, if I if I if I'm walking through macro and I say like, okay, I, I get a wild hair at my ass to cook a cook a pork tenderloin or whatever. If I cook something. It's it's really good, mm. but it's pretty rare. Mm. Um, I cook eggs a lot mm. myself um, for my for my for my kids mm. um, for my daughter. Who my cooks son. at home? Uh, my wife does kind of. Um, we eat out a lot, or we order in a lot. Um, um, I love my wife dearly, but she's not a very good cook, mm. unfortunately. Mm. Um, you need to block her as well as your mom from what? listening to this. <laughs> Maybe mm. uh, she'll listen to it, um, but she knows. Um, uh, but we we I mean she cooks for the kids, but it you know it's noodles with ketchup and Parmesan cheese. Uh-huh. Um, my daughter's more experiment will experiment more than my son. My son will not. It's something that we're working on. Uh, but I eat I eat fast food a lot. I mm. eat a lot of pizza. I eat for me. Food needs to be, you know. It's sustenance. Mm. I need to, you know, I mean, I can, I love to eat and I love food and I love to eat great food, but not all the time. It's not mm. something that I do all the time. I can't, you know, especially now I can't, really can't afford it, mm. Mm. <laughs> you know, but I, but I do eat, I eat, it needs to be on the, it needs to be fast and I need to be able to, you know, I've probably eaten, I don't know, probably 50% of my meals in my life, either in my car or standing up. Mm. But you're you're describing. I'm I'm thinking now. I'm just reflecting a little bit on what you've been telling me. That you know, like there's long hours. Um, there's a lot of pressure. There is external pressure from from the customers. Obviously, the suppliers can be, can be shitty. Um, and uh, yeah, you, what's not you, to love? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking. What's what's in it for you? I mean, what, why are you in this? What what do you like about this? Uh, I mean, it's. It's the only thing that I really do well, uh, I guess. Uh, I mean, I love it. It's all I've ever done. 
Um, but is it the people or the novelty of of cooking something? I mean, what what's the? I I mean, I guess I don't know. If you do a bacon burger five thousand times, it, it maybe. Um, I mean, I think we experiment a lot with our, you know, with specials and stuff like. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. I, you know, I give I give my stuff my my kitchen guys more freedom to do that. Uh, I just, I mean, I love owning a restaurant. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just something I love working in restaurants. I love being around. I love the lifestyle. I, you know, I, I always have, it's, it's just, like, it's like a cult in some way, like, or not a cult, but like, it's like a crowd that you, you belong to it somehow. It's a lifestyle. It's all I know. It's mm -hmm. all I know. It's all I've ever done. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just something and I'm, and I've always been, and I'm good at it. Mm -hmm. You know. So you wouldn't see yourself going and doing something else. No, no, no. I, I can't imagine what. You know, maybe cons restaurant consulting. Mm. Uh, no. Mm. I'm working on a couple of new projects now. Can't really can't go into any details about them yet, but um, they're 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 coming. Mm. Um, and they're restaurant restaurant projects. Mm. So no, it's all it's all I know. Mm. You know, and I don't like to do things the uh, that I don't do well. Mm. Uh, no, and it's a good rule. I mean, obviously. It, it's it's it must be painful to do something every day that you hate. Uh, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't imagine that. Mm. Uh, that I couldn't imagine. But um, uh, if you, uh, where was I going to take this? Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the the um, uh, the meat versus vegan, you know, and and all the all the fake meats and all that stuff. We, uh, I don't, I don't mind them. I think the. Uh, but but I'm thinking, what does it impact? I mean, does, does do you feel this? Are customers asking? Absol for, yeah? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and we actually do some stuff. We do stuff with Beyond Burgers and Mana Burgers. Uh, we do some. Uh, I, the sustainability of meat, I think, is a real issue. Mm. Uh, and I think the the impact globally uh, and the environmental issues with it are are, are real. Mm. So I understand. Um, I can't remember what, what was the chef that recently of uh, Eleven Madison. Yeah, uh, just, yeah, yeah. He, he just changed it to vegan. Just all, all uh, no meat, no fish, oh. um, because of the sustainability issues. Um, I, it's a real, it's real, and I don't. I mean, I think I've been hearing for a long time that, for instance, tuna, which I'm, a, I love tuna, uh, that that the tunas have been so overfished over the, the last. 20, 30 years that within another 10 or 15 years, there won't be any more tuna left. Mm. Now, I remember at, uh, going back to Kampa when uh, I, I worked, most of the time I worked there, I was working because Kampa and Sahelna and, and Nils and Malik, they do meat and fit. They separate the kitchens, meat side, fish side, mm. and, then, and, then, and then cold kitchen stuff. And for most of the time I was there, I was on the fish. Mm. And that's when I, and, I, and I worked on the fish side for a long time, uh, except for the last couple of years I was there. But... Um, and I think when I first started working there, we were getting halibuts, whole halibut that were four, three and a half, four feet long. Mm -hmm. I, you know, like, I don't know how many massive, mm. massive fish. Mm. The last year that I was there, which was 2007, I think, mm. 2008, mm. I think, something like that, whatever. Um, I remember we were getting halibuts that were only a meter you know, a meter long mm. you know and they were tiny mm. and they were babies mm. uh and it's i think so i think the sustainability of it i um it's definitely a real a real problem but now i mean because i'm i i 
I don't. I, yeah, I, I think. First of all, I think it's. Um, um, I think there are bigger issues with with pollution and and stuff like that that should be solved before we start fucking up with the nutrition that has kept us alive for millions of years. But that, that's my personal opinion, and I also find it a little bit strange that the the biggest proponents of 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 this transition are actually investors in most of the companies that are. You know, they're telling us the problem and then they're selling us the solution, um, which, yeah. It's, it's a world it's, we live in, though, yeah, unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, Agreed. yeah. Agreed. And, and some sort of an end game of capitalism that is exploiting us to the maximum. Sure. But uh, how, how, but if you think about it, like, because, I mean, barbecue and, and, and this cuisine that, that, that your concept is based on, I mean, not just yours, but, I mean, multiple concepts, is very much based on, on this meat. I mean, like, do, do you, my restaurant, do you th- think my, it will kill it somehow? Um, I hope not, but I mean, my restaurant, uh, I think, uh, was it, what was the last full year that we had pre-COVID? 2019. 2019, I think, uh, I think we purchased, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was around 12 or 13 tons of pork ribs throughout the year. Mm. One 55-seat restaurant doing, I think, total meat. I think it was something. It was just ridiculous amount of meat going mm. through our restaurant. It's a small place, mm. um, fifty-five seats, small kitchen. Um, but it was like thirteen tons of pork ribs, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm. um, if I'm mistaken, it's not very. I'm not very far off. It's a lot of. It's a lot of meat coming out of that rest out of that kitchen. Mm. And so I think it's got to end somewhere. Mm. You know, I think. Um, I just lost my train of thought. Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, but I think that could be, you know, other ways to say that, you know, you need to be able to buy what is grown locally and stuff like that. And then, yeah. you know, if if I, I don't, I don't find it normal that 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 I'm supposed to stop eating a cow or a pig that 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 roams here in in a field. And I know that farming here is is it's way different from what it is in of the course. U.S. For example, it's more. How to say friendlier to the animals and so on? I don't think it's not actually. I mean, I think on a bigger, the big, you know, the big muscle kombinatse uh, meat mm. companies, the meat suppliers are not. They're not. You know, I know the the they butcher chickens here. The way that they kill chickens here, they throw them in an electrified pool of water. Yeah, yeah, but you know, stuff like this, and I think it's. Um, no, but I think like if you look at the size of the land and, 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 and animals per square feet and all that stuff for cattle and stuff like that, it's it's different in Europe than it is in the US. I mean, yeah, fair you, enough. And, sure. and, 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 and there are you, you less chemicals used. But anyway, I don't I don't find it normal that I am I'm from a you know DNA inheritance of meat and fish eaters that I should be flying in some fucking avocado from South America and sure, substitute agreed. with that, you know? Yeah, of course, I agree with that. Um, I, I mean, I think, it, but I think if people, you know, we do, we do beyond, like I said, we do stuff with Beyond Burgers and Mono Burgers mm. and we do stuff with that. If people want it, I'm, you know, I'm yeah. fine. I got no problem, you know, but I will, I, I would never stop selling meat. Mm. You know, I, I, uh, it's a meat restaurant and that's what we do mm. mainly, you know, mm. but we have, you know, but we get more and more, the you know the request for vegetarian stuff and mm. you know to have vegetarian options and it's always tough to figure out what you want to do but it's um but you know the demand is there so mm. you know so so we do some stuff yeah. um covid obviously has been a Cunt. huge yeah has been a huge uh, 
kind of gray cloud over anything called uh, restaurants. How has it, I mean, apart from just losing all the revenue and all that, but I mean, I know I mean, we were talking before we started recording, you know, you, you went just before COVID, you started doing home deliveries through a partnership through Volt, with, yeah. with yeah. Volt and, 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 and these things. And, but I'm, I'm curious about like how, how, what has it changed? Like, did you have to reinvent the menu somehow? We slimmed it down. Yeah. We slimmed it down. Uh, we took a lot of the, the more uh, expensive stuff, uh, the, the more expensive stuff off the menu mm. uh, and made it, you know, we, we lost some staff, so we wanted to make it easy, easier, as easy for the kitchen as it could possibly be. Yeah. Um, and fewer items or, or smaller Yeah, not that, ma- not that many, but we took, we, we slimmed it down by probably 25, 30%. Uh-huh. Um, and took some of the some of the more expensive things off. You know, we had a uh, we had a pork chop on the menu that we we don't do anymore. We had uh, uh, stuff like that. We took off. Mm. Um, you know, we just didn't want to have it sitting around. Um, and we just focused on the main stuff that we do and the stuff that we do well. The barbecue stuff. You know, wings is our is what, wings and, and ribs are our specialties. Those are the two things that we do most of. Mm. Uh, the ribs are amazing. Thank you. Thank you. But does it, I mean, because I mean, when you're delivering to a customer that is not sitting, eating from a plate um, in in your establishment, then um, how can you, I mean, yeah, and, and yeah, did you do some changes to make sure, okay, I'm going to not have this item on the menu because... It doesn't travel well. Yeah. Yeah, like we don't, like French fries, for instance, stuff like that, we probably, we... we we would we'd still do them, but we we would rather not because they don't travel well. Uh-huh. Uh, the stuff that the stuff that doesn't travel well, we took it off. Uh, the stuff that doesn't doesn't last long, uh, we took it off. Um, I mean, my guys are quite good at you know at the at packaging the stuff correctly, and uh, and the and the delivery companies have gotten better through the, through COVID uh, of getting stuff to the end user uh, mm. as quickly as possible. Mm. I think I think what is great about COVID is that prior to COVID, uh, a non-Czech speaking foreigner would not have a chance of getting a job here. That's true. Yeah. And they're all working at both bo- now driving. Yeah, 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 that's. I mean, it's uh, everybody in the restaurant business here. I know is looking for for staff now. Obviously, yeah. we're getting ready to open up in a you know in a few weeks. Uh, everybody's looking for for staff now, and massive percentage of them have the 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 restaurant people have gone to driving for Volt, yeah, Volt yeah. Dummy Low and and, yeah. and Lyft Argo. I even know some restaurant owners that have they make more money now driving for those services than I, they made from their restaurant. I definitely would make more money doing it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to do that though. Uh yeah. Uh but and what about people's behavior like the buying behavior? I mean um did you see some trends for the some interesting trends through this that you saw? I, oh, people are eating more burgers, or you know, or I don't know. Was there anything notable? Well, we've had a pretty loyal clientele. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think you know, through you know, in seven years, our our clientele has been it's usually around twenty five percent checks. It's probably around another thirty thirty five percent expats, which I don't have to do anything to get them because mm. they know my they know my my food, they know the cuisine, they know my reputation. Uh, and then the rest was tourists, which are obviously all gone. Uh, but the, our, you know, our, our clientele have been very loyal mm-hmm. and they've been, they've been keeping us going. Uh, they've been amazing. Thank you. 
and they've, uh, you know, a lot of the neighbors, uh, the people in the neighborhood, of uh, they they make a point to to keep ordering from us because they know, you know, I think you know, a few months of uh, a few months in, we uh, we made a point of, you know, we were maybe we should have shut it down, but I I was you know I just I just I I don't know if I would have been able to to get it back open again. Mm. And I wanted to do, you know, and we, and you know, I, you know, my staff, I, I you know, they're, I'm responsible for, for feeding them and paying yeah. them. And then uh, I wanted to give yeah, them. And they've been with you for a long and time. They have, before, and yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that I could keep as many of them as I could mm. and still, you know, provide the same quality of stuff that we've always done. Mm. Um, you know, maybe we could have, shut it down but it uh, we wouldn't have gotten it back open i don't mm. think i would have i wouldn't have been able to so we've we made a point of making a, a pretty uh pretty big post uh on our social media about look like we're here we're gonna do what we can to get through this uh we're here for you mm -hmm. and this is kind of how you know this is kind of how our, our attitude was you know we want to keep this going and you know my staff you know my my staff is you know the last thing that you know a lot of times they think about before they go to bed and the first thing mm -hmm. they think about in the morning is, you know, what can we do to keep bad Jeff's going? Mm. Um, and this is, you know, and we've been, I've been very lucky, mm. you know, because of that. So, and mm. you know, we're, 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 we're almost there. We're almost there, almost at the finish line. Another thing with this, <clears throat> this trend, because, uh, and I'm, I mean, first of all, I wonder if it's here to stay, if you think, because, you know, like now out of, th this is like, uh, I don't know what you call it, like, um, the paradigm shift somehow that yep. you know like food delivery in prague was shitty until yeah i mean a little bit better before covid but covid kind of i don't know accelerated accelerated yep, that, sure. that rapidly and and uh, and now versus seven years eight years ago when i was ordering food home it's a totally different experience um and i'm I, and i'm pretty sure that i mean there are there are people that are comfortable with with spending more time at home, they sure. can work from home, yep. etc. Um, do you think? Do you think that that? I mean, if you think about the the proportion of of home delivery of your business in a normal year, if 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 that ever comes again, do you think it's gonna grow? I mean, like, do you think? Yeah, I think a percentage of it will stay. I think people are getting have uh, unfortunately they've gotten used to ordering. Ordering, ordering, saying, staying and eating at home, mm. um, but I think the the food delivery, it's it, you know, the logistics of of it is very complicated. You know, like I think we, you know, you know, I think Volt does a really good job of the cooperation uh, and the communication that they have with the end user and with the restaurants. Mm. So you basically, you think that. Based on the 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 how how the food delivery has advanced during COVID, that that it kind of enables it to continue. I think it will continue uh, to some extent. Uh, mm. I, I mean, I know people are dying to get back out into restaurants, and yeah. people want uh, you know, um, I'm I'm for all the restaurants, are, of course, are we're we're hoping that that's the case that they're going to get back out and order uh, and stay at home less. Mm. Um, but I think. It will. I think it it will stay mm. to some extent. And and I'm I'm curious a little bit about this um, because now 
one thing is to to run a restaurant. You get your customers into your your establishment in in on the floor. You have them in the seats. You mm-hmm. you get to see them say goodbye. They they you get that instant feedback. You don't have that with the delivery somehow. There is a bigger disconnect to the customers. Are you worried about this? Uh, or does a, it affect you somehow? Not as much because I think, like I said, we have a pretty pretty stable clientele and a pretty loyal clientele, and we are in, we are in contact with them a lot, and we you know we ask them uh, when we see them, and when we see you know mm. we see a lot of people people order from me regularly. Mm-hmm. You know, the same names over and we over. We see a lot, and and that. Uh, you know, for us, that's enough that they they just you know keep ordering from us, mm. um, and uh, and I think, and it goes back to us being we're pretty good at what we do, and uh, being the fact that we focus on the quality and the consistency. We know the stuff that's going out is what it's supposed to be and what we want it to be. Mm. Uh, so, uh, but it must be different though. Like I mean. I mean, the interaction, if you, if you, yeah. yeah, because if you let's say you stand in the kitchen and you you know like you you know there have been a hundred people in the in the restaurant and and you you look out through the kitchen door and you see those happy smiley faces. Sure. Now you see nothing. It's uh, it's been much harder for my staff. I mean, my staff they have been suffering. That you mm. know, there's nothing worse in a restaurant, you know, especially in the kitchen than. Work sitting around and doing a couple orders an hour, mm. as opposed to you know being busy. The, the, being busy, you know that's 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 what we love, mm. um, and I think that's that it's been very very difficult for them mm. uh, to not have that interaction and not you know the day just flies by when you're busy and yeah. when it's been, you know if you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs all day then it's it's creeping by and it's and it's really tough, mm. uh, and that's something that we've been struggling through, uh, and like I said we're we're right there. We're right there. We got yeah. It's yeah. coming. So, but hopefully, otherwise, I mean, you're just gonna be busy with a full house of of customers yeah. In, yeah. in the summer now. Fourteenth, we'll we'll open the doors mm. uh, on the fourteenth of June, mm. uh, and see how it goes. We're ex- we're expecting uh, as many people as as we can get. Uh, but, you know, but all the people that we know and we know a lot, they're they're just chomping at the bit to get back mm. out to, to mm. sit in a restaurant. You know, the terraces are great. Um, we have it. We we don't have a terrace, but we have tables out front. Uh, for we've got a few tables out front now mm. um, that we're just putting out there. Uh, but we we just can't wait to get people get in people and back uh, into the restaurant. Yeah. Mm. Okay, and uh, if if uh, people want to follow you, so the restaurant has a Facebook page, right? Facebook, That's- Facebook, Instagram. Uh, yep. That's bad, Jeff's barbecue. Yes, it's yes. pretty straightforward. Yes, yeah, easy to find. Yeah, and any other mediums or anything else? No, I guess that's it, right? Facebook, Instagram is the main ones. Yeah, mm. yeah. What if just one one thing, Jeff? If you if you had one meal that you had to choose to eat every day for the rest of your life, what would that be? It's mm, a good question. Uh, grits. Oh, I make great grits actually. Uh, no, it wouldn't be grits. Uh, there was a when I, I I keep going back to Kampa Group stuff. Um, uh, at Sahelna we had a we had a pizza oven there, uh, uh-huh. and we had a pizziolo that they brought that Marek brought in from Italy to make pizzas um, for for a few years. And there was one dish uh, that uh, actually Peter Lostovicka and Marek created. It was a foie gras pizza. Oh shit! And it was they took it was a it was a starter pizza, so it was small. So they took the dough, pizza dough. Yeah. They would cover it with pear chutney 
Then they would bake it in the pizza oven for a minute or so, caramelize, so it caramelized, bring it out, put the uh, foie gras on it, pieces of foie, big chunks of foie gras on it, finish baking it, take it out, some mosh salad and a and a, a really nice uh, balsamic uh, re- uh, reduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could eat that all day, every day. Okay, that's all. I'm, a I'm lovely in. dish. I, I'll, I'll join you on that one. So, yeah, I think, guys, it's uh, been a pleasure having Jeff here. He isn't as bad as I thought. <laughs> but um, uh, follow the show on, on Facebook, The Bunker Prague, I think it's called, and uh, Instagram, The Bunker Prague. No, on Facebook, it's The Bunker. How the hell did we end up here? On, yeah. on, on Instagram, it's The Bunker Prague. And, uh, yeah, rate, review, send feedback, tell me about cool people, and... Uh, um, yeah, go to Bad Jeff's when it opens in June. Please. You're probably going to be listening to this in July or August even, sure. So, but then go back in yep. time and come back to the 14th nice. of June and go to Bad <laughs> Jeff's. Jeff, it's been a great evening with you or afternoon. Yeah. Uh, thanks, thanks for coming. Much. Thanks and for having me. This was great. Goodbye, guys. Bye.